Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Well, today's topic is going to be about the Star-Spangled Banner. Yes, we are going to be celebrating 4th of July this coming Saturday, and I want to tell you how excited I am. I don't think there's anybody that I know of that gets as excited about 4th of July as I do. But you know what I love about 4th of July? I love the fireworks. Oh my goodness, the kaboom and the whistling rockets. And can I confess something? Yes, I actually usually set off my own fireworks, big time fireworks. Oh, my family gets rattled at me because they think it's so dangerous. But when my father was alive, he was right there beside me helping light them. So, but to be honest, again, I haven't done it for a couple of years. I haven't had the, um, well, people want to leave early. They want to go home and you can't let off fireworks in the daytime. It's got to be dark. Well, everybody wants to get back home. So I haven't, I haven't had to have my fireworks. And now I... I think Wheeling is not even going to have their fireworks this year. Oh, goodness gracious. What is 4th of July, truly? I'm going to ask that question. What is 4th of July without fireworks? Well, not only is 4th of July an exciting lighting display of wonderful things in the sky, but it is about our independence and that we became a free, free nation. To celebrate 4th of July, we often think about the Star-Spangled Banner, our national anthem. Well, there are other patriotic songs. I play a whole, I just put on um, this, uh, I have a D, I have a CD that has all these patriotic songs, My Country Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Liberty, I put them all on. I blast them all over. So I'm sure my neighbors, I live in the country, so I don't think they mind. But I'm a patriotic girl, and I love our flag. And if you don't like our flag, I don't know what to say to you. Maybe you need to move to another country. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to be serious. Because there are people today, and I don't care what race, color, creed you are. But if you dishonor our flag, I have a problem with you. I truly do. And I don't like people that want to kneel during the national anthem. You know there's a code of conduct for uh, when the anthem is played. I'm going to read to you the code of conduct. And this is, there is an actual code of conduct It's United States Code 36 USC 301. And it says the composition consisting of the words and music known as the Star-Spangled Banner is the national anthem. Next, conduct. During playing, during a rendition of the national anthem, when the flag is displayed, individuals in uniform should give the military salute at the first note of the anthem and maintain that position until the last note. Members of the armed forces and veterans who are present 
but not in uniform, may render the military salute in the manner provided for individuals in uniform and all other persons present should face the flag and stand at attention with their right hand over their heart and men not in uniform, if applicable, applicable, should remove their headdress with their right hand and hold it at the left shoulder, the hand being over the heart. And when the flag is not displayed, all present should face toward the music and act in the same manner they would if the flag were displayed. Now, there's been an amendment in 2008. Subsequent to B1A2C, uh, they struck out the former subpars, and it reads as follows. All present, those in uniform, should stand at attention facing the flag with the right hand over the heart. Men not in uniform should remove their headdress with their right hand and hold the headdress at the left shoulder, the hand being over the heart. And individuals in uniform should give the military salute at the first note of the anthem and maintain that position until the last note. So, my friends, there is an actual conduct written that says this is, this is what we do when our national anthem is played and the flag is displayed. We don't take a knee. I'm sorry. I'm not going to. I'm not going, I just cannot understand that. I really can't. And I'm sorry that Drew Brees had to backtrack his, you know, comments about that. If you want to take a knee, sit down or whatever for the national anthem and dishonor the flag and what we stand for, well, have at it. But I don't think it's right. I don't like it. And I think there are other ways that if you have issues with certain things, which I won't get into, but if you have concerns or issues, there are other ways that you can do that. So, anyway, we're going to talk about this Star Spangled Banner because she's important. Now, maybe you don't know all the history about our flag. Just decades after winning the American Revolution in 1812, the United States found itself once again at war with Great Britain. Oh, goodness, here we go again. In 1814, the British Army overran Washington, D.C. Get this, setting the White House and the Capitol building ablaze looting the city and forcing President James Madison to flee to North Maryland. The British followed as demoralized American forces fled and set their sights on delivering a knockout blow to America's third largest city, Baltimore, Maryland. At the time of the Battle of Baltimore, Francis Scott Key was a 35-year-old lawyer and an amateur poet living in Maryland. Great Britain had taken U.S. citizens as prisoner, one of whom was Dr. William Beans. Now, Dr. Beans happened to be Francis Scott Key's very close friend. He was asked 
to accompany U.S. government agent John Skinner to help secure the release of Dr. Beans. They succeeded, but they were detained on the ship as they knew of the British plan to attack Baltimore. So you can understand, they're not going to let Francis Scott Key and Dr. Beans and Mr. John Skinner off the ship because now here they are on the British ship and they know pretty much all what's going to go on. So, since they knew of the British plan to attack Baltimore, they were detained on the ship. And from the British ship, the HMS Penance, Francis Scott Key witnessed the Battle of Baltimore. He saw the rocket's red glare and heard the bombs bursting in the air during the 25-hour bombardment. When it was over, he saw a massive American flag still waving in victory over Fort McHenry. He wrote the first stanza of his poem, on the back of a letter he had in his pocket. And after returning to land, he wrote three additional stanzas at his hotel, titling his poem, The Defense of Fort McHenry. Francis Scott Key coupled his poem with the melody of the Anacreontic song, that's a strange name, composed by John Stafford Smith which was the official song of the 18th century Gentlemen's Musical Club, the, I'm going to try to say this again, the Anacreontic Society. It was then renamed the Star-Spangled Banner. So you see, our, there are people today that actually want They actually, you you may have heard me say this before, they actually hate our national anthem. American citizens, born and raised here, hate our national anthem. They think it's too violent. They think we should get rid of it, discard this national anthem. And the newest thing that I heard was our national anthem should be the song Imagine by John Lennon. Mind you, John Lennon, and I'm sorry for those of you who are John Lennon fans, but the reality is John Lennon and those Beatles, what they did is they brought in a lot of bad things to our culture, one of which was drugs. Um, their songs were uh, ha- had uh, words about drugs. They brought in the... Um, Oh, goodness gracious, it just went out of my head. Of the, um, well, they had the Maharishi Yoga, was one of their people that they followed. And um, so they, they, you know, they really affected the culture of the society with their music and what they stood for. And um, so there there were some, some things that were not good about all of that. You didn't realize it growing up. I certainly didn't. I loved the Beatles growing up. I loved their songs. But looking back and seeing the influence that they have had on our society, which some of which was which was negative. Now you could argue that point. I'm sure there are plenty that would love to. Besides that, 
um, uh, so we have individuals who want to make our national anthem Imagine, the song Imagine, because they think it's peaceful and they think that our national anthem is too violent to have as, as a national anthem. Well, everybody has their own opinion. I think that our, um, I think the people of the past who decided that this would be our national anthem made, made a good decision. Now, how did it become the national anthem? Because it, it didn't become the national anthem back then. Uh, there were many, many different songs that were played, uh, patriotic songs, one of which was uh, My Country Tis of Thee, and other patriotic songs that were played during July 4th at different, at different times. But um, the patriotic tune, the, it, it, it grew, grew and grew. The popularity grew over the years, and it was performed in taverns and songbooks throughout the country. And it, I'll tell you, it really gained popularity during the Civil War. And so in 1861, the American author Oliver Wendell Holmes, he added a fifth stanza, which was popular in the North. And uh, I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. But by the late 19th century, the military started to use the song for ceremonial purposes. In 1917, the U.S. Army and Navy adopted the song as their anthem. And though it wasn't until 1931, can you believe that, that the Star-Spangled Banner officially became the national anthem under President Herbert Hoover? I actually didn't know that. Hard to believe that a song that was written so long ago didn't become our anthem until officially until 1931. And this anthem that we have, it's sung at military sporting and other events, and it's you know, it's just ingrained in the memory of millions of Americans. Now, what I want to do is I want to share with you, I want to read all the stanzas because I want you to listen to the heart of a man who wrote this beautiful national anthem. Most Americans, I'd say the majority of Americans, only know that first stanza, the one that we always sing. And so this is what he wrote. This is what he saw. He said, oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? Because that's about when the bombardment stopped. See, that's, and dawn was rising, the sun was coming up, and he could see that flag still flying at Fort McHenry, okay? So, oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed? At the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So you can understand how a young man who's Standing on a British ship, realizes and recognizes the victory, sees the American flag still flying at dawn as the sun is rising. I mean, wow, that's powerful. 
He goes on to write the second stanza. On the shore, dimly seen through the mist of the deep, where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze or the towering steep, as it fitfully blows, half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam in full glory, reflected now shines in the stream. Tis the spot, excuse me, tis the star-spangled banner. Oh, long may it wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. The next stanza, and where is that band? Who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner. In triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. The fourth stanza, O such be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. Before I read the fifth stanza, I just want to comment that Francis Scott Key was a devout Episcopalian. And, you know, this, this um, actually being on the ship and witnessing the, um, you know, witnessing this battle, I mean, he's there, he sees it, um, you know, it, it had to be very, to someone who is a poet, um, you know, he was able to put into words some, some really beautiful prose. Uh, I, I mean, I just. And then to be able to put that to music, um, I don't know. You know, I just, I happen to think it's one of the most beautiful songs that, that we have in our nation. So to me, um, not giving it reverence or not, not thinking that we should keep it as our national anthem and should change it to the song Imagine is like the most, well, it's just about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, so let me read you the fifth stanza. And this is um, um, this fifth stanza, excuse me one second here, was actually uh, written by Oliver Wendell Holmes. And he writes, When our land is illumined with liberty's smile, if a foe from within strikes a blow at her glory, down, down with the traitor that tries to defile the flag of the stars and the page of her story. By the millions unchained who their birthright have gained, we will keep her bright blazon forever unstained 
and the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave while the land of the free is the home of the brave. So I guess I just have a, a soft spot for the flag and the anthem and um, I just think that it's important that we respect our flag and our national anthem. Now, the actual flag that waved during the Battle of Baltimore was commissioned, that flag was commissioned in 1813 by Major George Armstead, who was the commander of Fort McHenry. Flag maker Mary Pickersgill spent six to eight weeks creating the massive 30 by 42 foot flag with 15 stars and 15 stripes, one for each state, that was part of the United States at that time during the 1812 war. In 1918, the third flag act set the number of stripes to 13 in honor of the 13 original colonies. Okay, just a little history on our poet, Francis Scott Key. He was born August 1st, 1779. He was an American lawyer, author, and amateur poet from Frederick, Maryland, and later Washington, D.C. He was born to Anne Phoebe Penn Dagworthy and Captain John Ross Key at the family plantation, Terra Rubra, in what is now Carroll County, Maryland. Francis Scott Key attended St. John's College in Annapolis, Maryland, graduating in 1796. As I mentioned, he was a devout Episcopalian who considered becoming a priest, ultimately choosing instead to study and practice law under his uncle, Philip Barton Key, a prominent lawyer who was loyal to the British crown during the War of Independence. He married Mary Taylor Lloyd on June 1, 1802. Key became a leading real estate and trial attorney in Frederick, Maryland and Washington, D.C., he assisted his uncle in the sensational conspiracy trial of Aaron Burr and the expulsion of Senator John Smith of Ohio. In 1808, he assisted President Thomas Jefferson's attorney general in United States versus Peters. He also assisted in the prosecution of Tobias Watkins, U.S. Treasury auditor under former President John Quincy Adams for allegedly misappropriating public funds. President Andrew Jackson nominated Francis Scott Key to be United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, a position he held from 1933 to 1841. In 1835, he prosecuted Richard Lawrence for his unsuccessful attempts to assassinate President Jackson at the and in 1820, he owned six slaves. By the 1830s, however, he had freed his slaves. And in the course of his career, he represented pro bono, meaning for free, several slaves seeking their freedom in court. And I just want to stop there because you see what that says? I mean, he owned six slaves, but in 10 years, he freed those slaves. and. Then he represented for free 
slaves that were trying to get their freedom. You know, anybody, you know, tearing down statues of people like Jefferson who had slaves, um, got rid of his slaves and then fought for actual um, um, laws to be put in place so that slavery was to be abolished. I mean, so these people, you know, it was the society, you know, George Washington had slaves. Why? Because his wife owned them. And when he married her, they came with her, but then he freed them. So, you know, we can't, tearing down statues because of all of this is, to me seems ludicrous, but nevertheless, um, Francis Scott Key, um, as I mentioned, uh, he also uh, was part of the American Bible Society from 1818 to his death. And so, uh, you know, when he, so when he saw at dawn the American flag still waving, the Americans had held off the British attack and retained control of Fort Henry, he was inspired to write the poem about his experience. And so... He died at the age of 63 on January 11th, 1843. So this is how I'd like to close out the program. There's a wonderful song by Johnny Cash called The Ragged Old Flag. So I want you to just sit back and enjoy that song. It's a great, great song. And if you'd like to hear it again, you can, you can find it on YouTube or you can just listen to this podcast again. So you can go to... Um, uh, today. I walked through a county courthouse square On a park bench an old man was sitting there I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down He said, no, it'll do for our little town I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it He said, have a seat and I said, Al, is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key Said watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans With Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams And it almost fell at the Alamo Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on though She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill there was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag On Flanders Field in World War I She got a big hole from a Bertha gun She turned blood red in World War II She hung limp and low a time or two She was in Korea, Vietnam she went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving. Them. 
back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her up right. On second thought, I do like to brag cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. With that, you can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. This is Don Noble with Pure Heart Ministries. Until we meet again, shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.